Hello, everyone, and welcome to this conversation with Ryan Dawson. This is an exclusive shooting the shit with Ryan Dawson on Uncle Ted Kaczynski. I see that you have, Ryan, your hat, Uncle Ted. Yep, I got my Ted Keela right here. Ted Keela. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> the Unabomber cocktail is uh, pomegranate vinegar, cranberry, and tequila. Why is he called the Una Bumber? What's Una? I don't even know. Uh, it's because, yes, you do. It's because of the, uh, one of his, his second uh, bombing was on United Airlines. And so it was UNA from United Airlines. And then bombing. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know at all. I I, I, I know everything noticed. about Uncle Ted. So just, <laughs> just say Well, actually, I'm happy that you're here because I actually have a hard time through all the noise that I'm getting in coverage, I have a hard time determining something about JFK assassination. And I know you're an expert on this. And so I thought I would use the opportunity before we talk about Ted to get clarifications on this. Uh, sure. Is it now the mainstream position or has it been revealed by the American government that JFK was assassinated by American intelligence? That seems to be like the mainstream, like the official unofficial story. The mainstream conspiracy theory has always been, or the most popular thing has probably been the CIA did it because they're mad that they didn't get air support in the Bay of Pigs because that was in the movie JFK. And ever since mm -hmm. that movie came out, that Hollywood narrative sort of took over. It's wrong, but he did send air support. I mean, that's not the reason there were, they, <laughs> they definitely did it, but that isn't why, um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I, I'll say this. At first, people thought it was Oswald, and they were like, he's a dirty communist. And that kind of fit a narrative that people that was psychologically gratifying. It was the damn commies, right? But, you know, his brother was the head of the Justice Department, and, and he just was like, all right, I'll, we'll see what the Warren Commission finds. Well, the Warren Commission was about as, you know, credible as the tower commission or the 9-11 commission that there were so many conflicts of interest and i think bobby kennedy knew that and yeah and then of course as soon as he started to really investigate it um a week later in the first publicly announced location that he was going to be in someone shot him too and that was saying eugene caesar shot him in the head it was not sirhan sirhan he shot him three times point blank range um and I don't want I don't want to open that can of worms of how we know, but then the computer film that we all saw of um, you know him getting shot and his brain going out the back of his head, showing that somebody shot him from the front. Pretty obvious physics. It's not impossible to shoot someone in the front and have and or in the back and have it come out the back, but it's very 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 improbable. Uh, only after that film was released, which means Bobby was dead in '68. Right, that that film did not come out right after Kennedy, John F. Kennedy got killed. It, it came out seven years later, and that was because C.D. Jackson, the guy that owned Time Life magazine, he had only released some still photos in Time, the book like Time magazine. He the film was never out when he died, and his daughters inherited it. They released it, and when people saw that, everybody said, "What the hell? That's a that's somebody that's a second shooter, a grassy knoll." Da, 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 da. Then the House Select Committee on Assassinations from our own Congress did an investigation and their official findings based on acoustic evidence uh, because there was a um, police motorcycle that it, 
it was recording, it was uh, parked near the knoll. They officially stated there were two shooters. So, I mean, the official U.S. government story is that there was conspiracy and they believed it was, you know, Oswald or somebody from the book depository building and an unknown shooter from the grassy knoll. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think, oh, they just blamed it on Oswald. They did for about seven years. But after that committee went through, our own government admits multiple shooters on JFK. And that's why so many people, that's like the grand mystery, one of the greatest well-known conspiracies ever is who's on the knoll, right? Who did it? Why they do it? Da, 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 da. And lots of, um, uh, I'll just say dumb <laughs> conspiracies have come out about that. And a lot of disinformation. The same thing with September 11th. Like, I can't stand 9-11 truth. 99.9% of them are just silly talking about missiles and thermite and whatever and the same thing with jfk and the same thing with rfk they're like oh polka dot dress mk ultra which kind of like mk ultra is a real thing ted was involved in mk ultra but that yeah. has nothing to do with why rfk was killed or how they did it they it was they just paid a um expendable member of organized crime to shoot him and that and his name his last name was caesar and he ended up living out his days in the Philippines, quite wealthy. And he died uh, three years ago when RFK Jr. was like in route to go meet and talk with him and never got to do it because he passed away before he arrived. Wow. But yeah, so the, the, the CIA, mentioned... it's like, well, yeah, you're close. I mean, you got the intelligence part right, but different organization. Yeah, so you mentioned it was a different reason. What is the reason? Why was JFK killed? Well, it wasn't CIA per se either. The CIA and Mossad are hard to unmix. Same same thing with Jewish organized crime and the Mossad. It's like, where does one start and the other stop? Or you know, where does it stop and one begin? <clears throat> well, they wanted to kill him because he was inspecting. He was trying to inspect the Negev Desert and Demona for Israel's illegal nuclear weapons which they had uh, acquired the uranium to build such by stealing it from the united states i have a movie about it called new Mech. yeah i know how is your soul the bomb and kill jfk <laughs> as you mentioned this i'm reminded that we've already talked about this i, I must have been it must have i been think i was making the, the movie last time though like it's done and it's out yeah. it's on rumble yeah and right, it's like well, everyone that's seen it's like my god that's what happened and they go I've asked people, falsify it, debunk it, go for it. Nobody can because it's not wrong. <laughs> I can dunk on the, on the other hypotheses about JFK. Like they're always like, oh, he was going after Federal Reserve, Executive Order 11110. Oh, yeah. That's the Alex Jones take because Alex Jones's job is to get all this energy barking up the wrong tree. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. and like Executive Order 11110 passed. All it does is is limit uh, who can issue silver certificates. Lyndon Johnson did not reverse it when he became president. It stayed on the books until the 80s when it was made obsolete anyway. It's just that had nothing to do with his assassination. But that is the second largest conspiracy. Now, nah, it's either like the biggest is probably, oh, the CIA did it because he didn't give him air support. The second is, oh, the MIC did it because he was going to pull out of Vietnam. And the third is the uh, Federal Reserve crap. And all of those mm -hmm. are wrong.
very interesting. But the CIA was willing to to kind of look the other way and extend in the cover up because he fired Dulles and he had gone after um, CIA was working with the mob, making billions of dollars off casinos and hotels and real estate out of Cuba. And like the CIA is crooked as fuck. So it's like when you get into organized crime it's like, yeah, kind of that is a CIA. I mean, Bannister, Guy Bannister and Clay Birdshaw and David Ferry were all they all were had liaisons to three letter networks, CIA and FBI. So absolutely. Uh TS Apostolas has sent a super chat before the show on Ted K. He says Jacques Elul is more based and not mentioned enough in that discussion. French Christians philosopher, check out the books Propaganda, the Formation of Men's Attitudes and the technological society, or at least watch a YouTube on it, y'all. Have you been uh, reading Jacques Ellul? I've not. Uh, not for a long time. Um, I I went through and tried to read whatever Ted had read, because Ted tell, tells you straight up what inspired him, and um, and I have all of Ted's books, and, uh, and then, of course, the manifesto, the systems need his trick. I have his poems. I have 45 letters from jail. So... But that's, uh, yeah, like <clears throat> there's been a movement. A lot of philosophers have talked, to, not a lot, like four, <laughs> have talked about uh, the ill effects of tech on society. Like it, tech is a definitely a plus, but it comes at a cost, right? And But Uncle Ted was the first one to really put together uh, a whole formula about our kind of psychological evolution. I mean, if you go, if I, if like, if people won't read the manifesto, I'm like, just skip down to paragraph 46 because paragraph 46 kind of talks about like everything he's trying to explain about why he doesn't see leftism or what we might call woke culture or Karen society or whatever as an ideology. He sees it as a type of psychology uh, and a damaged one. And this kind of broken, damaged type of psychology is being derived from the alienation, from goal attainment, and the power process, and these other things he sets up that are that he believes are essential for a man's sense of psychological fulfillment, which is different than happiness or pleasure. It's a it's a different thing, and we we can parse that out in a bit, but. Yeah, in the manifesto, I would say perhaps one of the weak points of Ted Kaczynski is this psychologization. Uh, you know, trying to find a motivations-based uh, reason for the state of the modern man. And it, it is very psychology-oriented rather than evolutionary. Yeah, well, he tries to tie those two things together. And he sensed that, like, he's got, like, three types of damaged people. And one that the one that everyone loves is when he starts describing feelings of inferiority on the left, right? And like why they gravitate to kicking a dead horse, anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-da-da-da-da-da. and he even predicts like if these things run their course, they'll have to invent one. And that's your tranny stuff today, right? Uh, but he thinks that those those feelings of inferiority and over-socialization are caused by the technological system brainwashing people seven hours a day in school and in addition to that the removal from the natural environment that we primarily evolved in where um 
we didn't have this industrialized system. We had to expend a certain amount of uh, effort into, uh, into goal attainment for our physical necessities, which would uh, actualize potentials physically, emotionally, socially, and it's the same kind of things that like Anthony Robbins would talk about that now everything's slanted on the academia and we don't have enough um, physical task and social task, creative task. We don't do that. Whereas naturally in hunting, farming and, or just low tech society, you would exercise all those potentials and feel a sense of gratification when you're missing those. And it's not everyone immediately, but like a large percentage of the population when they're not going through this as well as they don't have a, a true sense of autonomy and go through what he calls the power process that that's what's damaging our psychology. And so his only tie to evolution, he doesn't get into like, you know, some genetic reason or anything. He's saying, look, we primarily evolved in this type of environment. So our psychology has adapted to this kind of environment with these kinds of activities. And when you rapidly change those, most people cannot adjust. Like there's a, it's not just our physical evolution our psychological evolution, our sense of aesthetics, right? When you look at the stars, when you see rivers, when you see something, a sense of beauty, right? That is a type that like, why that psychology evolved with us. Now, now you might say, well, we like clean rivers and lakes and stuff. Cause that's what we're going to drink out of. Cause if they're dirty, we'd get die from it. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, he takes a broader step of saying, no, even architecture, everything, like when things are ugly, this is not in the manifesto, but he said otherwise, like when things are ugly and disgusting, you feel like shit, right? And people are forced. They, it's out of your control. You're just born into the system that's going to make you sit there and study technical subjects for like 12 years of your life, seven hours a day sitting at the desk. And that is a totally unnatural environment that people cannot adjust to. And when you can't, they'll make you because he gets down. I think it's paragraph 145 where he's saying they'll just drug you and change your brain and force you to adapt to what you could otherwise not tolerate. They'll force, they'll change your internal state instead of your external state, which is not wrong. That's, that is happening. But uh, yeah, I mean, from, from your point of view, since you know, I mean, you wrote the, the revolutionary phenotype and you're a biologist. So you would probably prefer uh, an explanation that, delve d deeper into evolution but he isn't writing to you he's writing yeah. to <laughs> it's not that he doesn't know it's just that you're not the target audience yeah well uh, uh, someone was mentioning earlier in the chat ted k accomplished nothing and that's something you often hear and we've heard it in the keith woods critique of ted k recently uh my response to this has been to say he, he wanted to be in the channel of information of eternity, which is hard to do in the 90s, kind of easy to do today. Uh, like I can be on the Bitcoin blockchain, I can insert a letter, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be there at least for a couple thousand years. Uh, but Ted K was in the 90s and, and before and was trying to uh, get exposure for his ID and, and get readers and get editing and publishing. And that was very hard. Would you say that is his accomplishment and that it counts? He, I mean, he did 
immortalize himself, whether it was through infamy or fame, it's the same result. When he says we had to kill people, I'm like, oh, you could have written this. It's great writing. Why did you have to kill people? Then I'm thinking, but why did I read it? I read it because I was curious. Damn, what did he want to say so bad that he had to kill people? Like, it, it's something you don't want to be true, but that that is very true. Yeah, because Jacques Ellul, I have never read his stuff and probably would never read his stuff. Even if it, it need, Ted Kaczynski needed to kill people for me to ever hear the word Jacques Ellul. And, and I only read Jacques Ellul because of, of Ted. Efficiency. That's the only reason I even knew who he was is because Ted got me in, interested in the whole subject. And I think I, I read this. I read Uncle Ted when I think it was like 16 or 17 years old. Right. And so all these things that I couldn't articulate that I was like, oh, I'm a silly teenager. What do I know? Like he was saying, this guy's got an IQ of 168. He's a mathematician. Da, da, da. And he's saying the same things I was thinking. And I'm like, oh, those ideas. I wasn't so crazy after all. Uh, and then he, I don't, I mean, this is a different thing, but because you know how I dig into conspiracies, he didn't do all those bombings by himself. The AFC was a real organization, but he had called, he said, when they published the manifesto, that's it. No more bombings. Cause that was the deal. And that's why he was so pissed at his brother because his brother turned him in only knowing what it was based on the writings that he'd seen before. He says, why would you turn me in? You knew after they published it that I wasn't going to send any bombs. He doesn't lie. He doesn't break promises. It's because his brother hates him deep down. Yeah. That that's an interesting uh, interaction between his brother, but also the wife of his brother, if I understand correctly. There was a feminine drive behind the, the reporting of Ted K. It's always them. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible had warned us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, like that's, God. you know, paragraph 14, I, th I think. I mean, I might be getting these wrong. I haven't talked about it in a while. But, like, that's where he's talking about feminism. He's saying, you know, the ones, the kind of people who aren't really sure about whether or not there's equality of the sexes are the ones that need to prove otherwise so badly, right? So a lot of feminists at their core don't believe women can do everything a man can do. And that's why they're trying to prove it to themselves. Absolutely. Uh, Men Like God says, Ted K, the first guerrilla marketer. I would agree with this uh, proposition. Uh, Arky <laughs> says, I like carpentry and fat shaming. I don't know if that's a reference to Ted K. Uh, one of the aspects that he notes that is so profound is he noted the hyper-socialization of the modern leftists. And that really stayed with me. The the modern leftist is hyper-socialized, wants to please, wants to fit within a network, and it's kind of a disease of a, of a healthy part of us. There's a healthy part of us that wants to be kind of part of a tribe, of a family, yeah, interact with people. But if you push that too far, you become subject to all the parasitism of people who have bad intent toward you and yet you give them control of yourself and your emotional state yeah he there's so many home runs he hits in his manifesto but 
I think the biggest problem people have with it, like the the classic derp, just doesn't get it. They're like, so he's against technology? Dude, it's technological society. It's not tech. It's not society. It's the combo, technological society. He's talking to... He's not talking about tech, the intrinsic evils of tech. He's talking about the ill effects that it has, it, like not not designed. He says we don't consciously design our societies. It's just inevitable that tech is going to have these side effects on society. And I think you said this uh, when you were talking or doing the woodshed on Keith Woods. And this is the thing that everyone else gets wrong. Ted is not being prescriptive. He's being descriptive. He's not saying what we ought to do with tech or what we could do with tech. He's saying what we are doing with tech. And what we are doing is walking off a cliff. Whether we blow ourselves up with nuclear weapons or we release a super virus into the wild like we kind of did with COVID. It could have been 10 times worse. Or, you know, it's... <laughs> whatever AI ends up doing, because I can just see AI making everything fake and gay because you will not be able to determine what's real and not because it's so identical to video, audio, everything. AI is going to be able to copy anything. It, it could be, you know, we're, we still let redheads breed openly. Like there's so many things <laughs> that could destroy the planet. We have a, we have a trash heap in the ocean the size of Texas. Oh my god, the occasional comment on redheads always. Did you Ryan see Dawson. the uh the origin of mermaids thing I wrote? <laughs> no, uh no, I didn't see it, but I've heard about this little mermaid being transferred toward black uh in the recent stuff, and AI was used to reconvert the mermaid into a white person. Uh yeah, we have black mermaid and suddenly we got undersea crime with the Nord Stream line and then the sub blowing up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ten percent No, but like uh, allegedly, since we talked you made the Bible joke earlier. Um so if you read the whole Bible, because I think it's Genesis four six, it might be six four, whatever. It mentions the Nephilim, which are the giants which is a what uh, I guess angels and human women mixed and made these Nephilim giants that became the kings yeah. of man. And this is the why they needed to flood the world was to get rid of the bad ones. And um, but the women who had slept with the angels punishment was to be turned into mermaids and screech owls to, to survive the flood. They would be immersed in the flood. All red hair, by the way, as well, like Cro-Magnons, like 90% of Cro-Magnons are gingers. They're like these beastly kind of men, right? And so they mixed with the mermaids. So technically, gingers are the byproduct of interspecies rape and a curse from God. <laughs> Facts. Brian Dawson, everything he says about <laughs> redhead is comedy. Uh, and Elon Musk has recently said comedy is acceptable on Twitter. So I guess that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really the think that about The internet has changed gingers. since last time we spoke, right? The internet has changed. We are more So free. much. We're both on Twitter now. And we can joke and I can laugh. And I mean, I would have been nervous if you made these jokes three years ago on my show. Yeah, everyone's nervous to have me on a show because I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so the ginger thing, let me explain to the to people like, why do you hate redheads? Like, first of all, I'm colorblind. So I don't even know someone's has red hair or brown hair other than by the smell. Ah, you know, so you're like, you, the, you're like the MAGA boomers uh, for black people, but for red hair. You, you, well, it's like, you I don't know don't someone who has red hair. I can't see red. <laughs> they have to tell me. And then I'm like, oh, well, well, that's different. Fuck off. So no, they have to like, self-report. <laughs> They have to, I had a friend forever named Steve. He's this Irish guy. And I just, I thought he was blonde and everyone's like, you know, he's a redhead, right? You're always saying this ginger stuff in front of Steve. I'm like, what? I'd known this guy like eight years. It just never came up. Cause I don't really hate redheads. Right. And so, and I was like, oh, that tomorrow it's on. <laughs> it's like you're a crypto ginger. You didn't knew this the whole time. You didn't tell me. But the reason I was doing the ginger jokes was I was using it as a vehicle to expose a double standard on YouTube. Where if I if you if I just plug in any other ethnic group or whatever right into Ginger, and even though it was like just as obvious that I'm telling jokes, you know I would be banned. But because Gingers are a subset of whites, like they're mutants, right? Then that's fair game because you're allowed to bash on Caucasians all day every day. But if I had made fun of anybody else, it would have been off with his head, right? And, you know, there is kind of the ginger holocaust in Hollywood where you have. Uh, why are you putting these creatures on the screen? Well, All these ginger I'm characters just, from like Marvel comics and stuff. I want to know if you are. as a See, I, I would think that's a... blonde right there. Well, I, I mean, definitely the there is a tint of red somehow. I can see like the cartoon. Like if I red. show you this, does that give you nightmare? This makes me want to vomit. <laughs> so it's a it's a comedic performance that seeks to expose a double a sort standard. Of, uh, on how you a double can bash standard. I mean, yeah. you're right. There's there's so many double standards like this in terms of how leftists talk about uh, men, their sexual adventures. They write hit pieces about people like me, and they let themselves go on criticizing, for example, the fact that I had sex with a 25 percent Mexican girl. It's like oh my God, she wasn't white. Suddenly it's a thing for them. Uh, it, it is quite amazing to see how they can play their double standard according to I had interracial sex a few hours ago. <laughs> Do it all the time. That is another thing for which you've <laughs> memed a lot. Uh, you have come in support of me. Come, come to the publishing. light. Come out of the darkness, JF. Join us. Team you Yellow. Look, you're you're into East. evolution, right? The yes. agents have won. Race war is over. They're up by billions. Just get on the winning team. Yeah, because I published a Twitter clip where I, I argued if some of the guys who are listening to me and who are desperate in the dating scene and really everything they get on the white side doesn't work, they should date Asian females. Hey, don't I mean, judge by jungle Asians, choice. right? Yeah. Go above the 30th parallel. That's that's the difference. This is a comedian said this too. There's jungle Asians and there's fancy Asians, right? Fancy Asians are like Japan, Korea, and so on. Uh, Asian women, like take a white girl. Now add responsibility, accountability, intelligence, and youth. Now you have Asians. And that femininity. Like <laughs> girls, Everybody that's ever visited me, like no matter what shit they were talking before, the, the first day they're in Japan, they're like, holy shit, women like this exist. There, there wasn't a drop of testosterone in her body. And I, I know, but you can put some there.
I mean, it's like the it the feminines like that your great granddad had or your granddad had. Like, cause this this isn't genetic. Like, this is cultural crap. Is from is from filth that has ruined European women. But um, they used to be lovely, great mothers, great wives. Now, not all, but like a lot of them just been ran through. They're on Instagram, which is OnlyFans Junior. They're uh, they're disgusting, dude, and they don't have longevity. By the time they're like twenty five, they start going downhill, looking old, getting fat. The average weight of American women is a hundred and seventy pounds. In Japan, it's one hundred and sixteen. That's supermodel weight in the U.S. That's normal weight in Japan. Wow! I mean, you can't compare. And in terms I know of I make the white nationalists mad, but I'm like, hey, man, y'all are always talking about the bell curve. Who's on the right side of that curve? East Asians. Genetically, uh, they have maintained their society. It's amazing. And one thinks perhaps the future is a future in which Asia is the center of the world. Do you see that future and do you see the hope for a lot of migration toward there and basically establish a, a partly white, partly Asian civilization somewhere. They're not opening the door. They're not. That That's going to be hard, right? That's the thing. And people are like, should I come? I'm like, no, no, we're full. Yeah. I am an openly xenophobic foreigner. <laughs> the hypocrisy is real and I don't care. <laughs> like I got here now shut the door. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's very. I don't know. Hard it's hard to see. I mean, there is China's the second largest country, almost almost tied with India, right? India just passed them in population, but then when you combine all of Indochina, Japan, Korea, and and then the smaller ones, Mongolia, and so on, it they are way ahead of everyone else, and especially Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and Eastern China are are in Singapore super advanced. Um, and technologically and far more advanced socially. And this is like an argument against Ted is like, I see all the ills he's talking about in the West. And I think it's not just all the things he said, it's the media, which he only briefly talks about because there's just as much tech in Japan or South Korea as in the United States or Russia, or whatever. And I don't see these woke leftist assholes. Right. And the reason is they don't have, running the press yeah they they have a different press system definitely that that is what i wanted to come back to on ted uh because the anti-technology aspect may not be the right focus and you said technological society but i don't even know if technological society captures it well because when you look at ted's opposition on say how the school system uh, has taken us out of nature and, and put us into a very unsustainable environment for which we hadn't evolved. There, mm -hmm. This doesn't necessarily involve technology at all. Here he's opposing to really a social and cultural way of doing things. And so is it possible that he has mismarketed his stuff as being a resistance against technological society when in fact it is not? Well, he would argue with my point about Asia saying, yeah, you're looking at that. But if you look at the entire world, there's three billion people that can't get their basic needs met. That China is how it is because it relies on slave labor. And it, so it's like you get in these it's a parasitic relationship in technological society between the have and the have nots. And to your point, he would say that the 
industrial society forces you to give up huge chunks of your time to serve the system and that it's to him it's a sense of indignancy that you don't have autonomy you don't have a say over where you go where you live what you anything because much of what you're going to have to do is schooling so you can get an occupation so you can get income so you can buy all of the things that you would otherwise be able to get naturally Faram says it's all delegation and centralization. It's life forms that lose freedom for fitness through collective efficiency. Yes, and cool with the anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And so that there is other works I... from Ted Kid and the Manifesto, and you have gone through the whole thing. Uh, there is Told you I was on Ted Keeler, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what would you What would you say is worth reading from Ted K? I've been sifting mm. through a little bit of technological slavery, but ultimately he, he's a he's kind of a pragmatic strategist who talks about things on such a long term that it's even hard to know if he will be right strategically in this book. I think if I was going to recommend one of his works. I'm going to be pragmatic and say, read the system's neatest trick because it's only like nine pages long. And I know people might actually read it. And it's pretty good. It goes over the how this is my own addition to it. But like people seem to be obsessed with solving the problems of yesteryear because there's no skin in the game. So they'll spend all day kicking a dead horse talking about the evils of 18th century slavery or something. Uh, because that's come in completely resolved and, and they're like proud of themselves and they, and they like to compare themselves to men of, of just who are so much better than them in every way. Right. Like Thomas Jefferson or something be like, well, he had slaves. I don't, that makes me better than this great man. Like that guy lived in the 1700s. You don't. <laughs> And he, hey, Thomas Jefferson ended the transatlantic slave trade. He attempted to end slavery in Virginia when he was governor. Uh, he didn't do so as president for a whole bunch of reasons. But And they say, well, he didn't free his slaves. That's not true. He did. He let them run away. So on paper, he didn't free them. But that's because slaves were considered property and he was in debt. He had to pay for very expensive weddings for his sisters. And da, da, da. he and as a, if you had property like a slave and you were in debt and they're considered part of your estate, you cannot liberate your property um, since you owe money, right? You would be forced to sell them or something. And so his loophole was, okay, run away. I'm not even going to attempt to, to chase you right that way. Oh, I lost this property. Oh yeah. Too bad. I couldn't get insurance on it. Now he did free like seven of the mulatto ones. Cause he argued like they're not black enough. I mean, this is look, I'm not, I, I, it's fucking appalling that people were property, but that is law and that's how it was. Right. And he was way ahead of his time, but people are just like, Oh yeah. Socrates is probably pederast. Uh, Einstein fell in love with his cousin and blah, blah, blah. like, look, you can, you can nitpick Martin Luther King was a plagiarist and, and cheated on his wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the, they had bad things. They were people, right. But they did, they're way greater than you. And you want to pat yourself on the back for stuff you don't do you can't you can't point to anything you're doing you're just like well i'm not a racist i'm not a sexist i'm not this i'm not like because you don't have to do anything to achieve those things 
right? And so you're just kicking. And what they do is like, oh, you're oh, you're against racism, okay? Like, but what you mean is like white to black racism, right? Okay, criticize Zionism then. That's unbelievably racist. The colonization of Palestine. They're not going to do that because that has consequences, right? And they always like to pat themselves back. Well, if I lived back in the day, I would never. Have, I would have opposed the Nazis. I'm like, no, you would have been a Nazi. You would have done whatever the state's doing because that's what you're doing now. Right? You're supporting all, all your yay, yay, Ukraine and all that. Like You are absolutely a fucking tool of the system. And you like to fantasize like, well, if I grew up in the past, I would have opposed slavery. I would have fought the fascists. I would have like, no, you would not. You would have been goose stepping. You've been cracking the whip. Because if you're not fighting injustices today and don't act like you would have recognized them and fought them in the past. Half There's the so people you call Nazis followers. are the ones that would have actually been fighting it. <laughs> There's so much of this follower personality in the current world. It's quite blackpilling for any hope of a kind of anti-tech revolution, the way Theodore John Kaczynski was seeing it. Uh, do you see something? Do you see an anti-tech revolution happen and succeed? And in what way do you see it and when? I think we're heading toward a technocratic dystopian nightmare and there's no turning the ship around. Yeah. So I do not see a Ted revolution we'll against it. Failure. We're just going to get more and more woke and nuts. And it'll just, it's any day now, some Victoria Newland's going to hit the button for a tactical nuke on Russia or something and end the planet. Like we are, this, this is why Ted was right. He's like, yeah, yeah, you, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. A lot of people reading the manifesto wouldn't do that, but His thing is power-hungry people are the ones that are most attracted to power, right? Someone that doesn't have this urge to control other people, that doesn't have this rage and inferiority complex, is repulsed by politics. Like, oh, I don't want to tell people what to do. Like, and this is a problem with libertarians. They're like, yeah, you need to seek that power and then do nothing with it if you choose because if you don't someone else is going to this is plato's point right like if you those that ignore politics end up ruled by those who don't um you're gonna let them have the control panel right and so this sickness the leftist this leftism is gravitating toward centers of power because they have a burning desire to care in the world and tell everybody what they need to do and stuff derived from their sense of inferiority and da, 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 da. and this is their power process right and so like and he's just saying this is what's happening he doesn't care about like what could happen he's like this is what's gonna happen and this is what's happening now they're in charge you're not in charge joe biden is and he's a fucking idiot the clowns are in control and the clowns are gonna ruin us all And they're going to, I mean, they give them the means because it's this combination where our tech has gone up, you know, almost, I mean, it's had some dips, but it's basically getting increasing. We can do more and more communication, but what are, again, descriptive, what are they doing with that? The NSA is spying on everyone. They're gathering data on everyone, metadata on everyone. They're manipulating you for consumer purposes and stuff. You have industries that profit off your illness, profit off your sickness, profit off of war. The MIC always talk about, well, Lockheed Martin makes all this money. Like, yeah, we know. How do you stop it? You, you've created a system that gives economic incentive as well as this psychological incentive for control where, yeah, 
people do profit off of starting wars and murdering people by the millions yeah pharmaceutical doesn't get they it's better that you're addicted to pills and this goes for psychotropics mental health as well as vaccines physical health something like well they make money when you're injured they make money when we kill people and this is part of the system it's not designed like this it just this is the con natural consequence of doing this stuff and so he's saying look they the ones that are in charge of this technological system are going to destroy the environment. They're going to destroy humanity. And the only way he sees to stop it is not through reform. Like you have to take down the system. You can't just vote in the right people. That isn't ever going to really happen. They're going to get worse and worse, which we've seen right from Obama, the Biden, and across like there's all leftists, the entire Western hemisphere. Now that Bolsonaro is out, is leftist. There's not one right-wing government from Argentina to Canada, right? And most of Europe's the same way. Maybe the rights in France will get a Le Pen or something. That isn't that far into the right either. But look, I mean, is Putin the savior? Because there's the only resistance to this crap right now is East Asia and Russia, right? Yes. And East Asia is kind of sitting on the sidelines. It's because they like, why should we make a move? They're wiping themselves out. But, you know, we are headed off a cliff. And that's why he says the only way is to tear it down, because if we don't tear it down, you, we might get it right a few more generations. But it only takes going wrong once. And then it's irreversible. The wrong president, the wrong, you know, prime minister, that's it. And there's so many, uh, like, life-ending scenarios, and they all involve tech including the wars themselves without the masculine communication and the propaganda and the ability to lie to everybody simultaneously, which would be impossible in tribal society. Mm. We couldn't have intercontinental uh, pissing matches, right? Where we lob missiles at homes and stuff. And it's a weird thing to me. I wrote about this as a teenager a long time ago too. It's like, it is odd to me that we're so intelligent that we can do rocketry at all, right? We could be exploring space. We could be doing positive stuff with it. What do we, what, what do we really do with it? We, we, cause the same tech can also allow you to shoot artillery at the neighboring city and destroy it. And that's what we decided to do with it. So, and that's not a scientific decision. That's a political decision. Science allows you, just shows you how rockets work and that, that it's possible to do. Politics is the one that says, Hey, let's use that rocket to fire it into that town over there. And so that's where we're really lagging. It doesn't matter how cool our tech gets because how the people deciding what to do with the tech, whether they're going to spy on everybody, make pills to change your brain. So we're so far behind in the humanities. And then he thinks the reason we're so far behind in the humanities is because of this alienation from major nature and da, 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 da. I, I would really have liked to have seen Ted read Bergen Russell's philosophy of science. Because Bertrand Russell has, a, I think, a more accurate explanation of why humanity's lagged behind. But um, and I actually asked him to do so. But and he can, they were always throwing his books away. They fucked with him in jail. It pisses me off, man. Uh, like, like, oh, he killed a couple people. Um, our government does that every day. Like, people are allowed to sit. You're like, he's a serial killer. I'm like, uh, so is Hillary Clinton. So it, like, there, there are plenty of people that are on TV whenever they want to get to have a respectable job paid. They're in Congress, but who are mass murderers. 
they order the deaths of other people and you vote for them and praise them and buy their books and stuff. So don't come at me with like, well, he bombs and people like, I know he did. I don't like that. That doesn't make him wrong in what he wrote though. I mean, there lo lots of people created good works of whatever that had some other part of their life that was fucked up. Uh, Ted was often talking about using parallel streams, placing yourself parallel to already existing events to kind of benefit from what's already going on. Use the natural forces that will deploy against the system, perhaps not as an anti-tech revolution, but try to combine the anti-tech revolution to existing forces. And I think about the French riots, for example, that would be an event that he would look at and, oh, here's instability. Here's, here's an opportunity perhaps to, to do something, to push some ideas. Or I think, for example, of a nuclear war. He gave that example war. even. The yeah, French Revolution was started by a very small minority of people. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Or I think of a nuclear war that could lead to certain centers being completely wiped out. Or I think of demographic changes that could lead, for example, Muslim populations to be in conflict with European populations, perhaps outbreeding, and a detechnologization could happen in these three cases. And we had Do you it think that any ago. of this will be usable? Well, like, look at the example of during the COVID hysteria, Sri Lanka had a complete meltdown where they raided the government buildings, they went to anarchy. Iceland had that during the housing bubble crisis. They're throwing the furniture out the windows, you know, completely. Now it's only 300,000 people on that island, but Sri Lanka is millions of people. And it had a complete reset. It got pulled back in the system as, as India and neighboring states giving them aid and putting them back in place. But you can see things pop off. We have collapsed. The Soviet Union collapsed in our lifetime, almost overnight, right? And that could have gone, and that was bad. And like 1.7, Seven million people starved. There's all these people that thrown in the prostitution and desperation. The ruble was wiped out. Savings was wiped out. Like, but instead, oligarchs come into power. But you never know. Whatever seems so stable, and that will never happen. And then it does. And doesn't have to be a nuclear war. I mean, I think there's much more high probability of major financial crisis because of how interlocked everything is. And it. I told you they'd try to come in. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of scenarios now. Nuclear war, however, is not one of them because there will not be any survivors of that because we have so many and they're so big that that's it. If that happens, there, that is a species reset button now. I disagree right? with this. See, uh, there are people who live away from centers. They might very well survive. Like no, people they, who live in the north of Canada, no one will bomb this. It doesn't matter because the sky is going to go black and they're all going to freeze. You'll have uh, nuclear winter. That's what winter. they say, but I'm not sure about this one. I'm not sure I believe it. Well, because look I think at there, there was uh, and miscalculations stuff. involved on this prediction. Yeah, well, it's not. It's exaggerations. Like Hiroshima bomb or something isn't going to produce enough ash or any. It's But we have things that are magnitudes. The weapons we have now are so much larger than what was dropped on Japan twice, right? And there's so and there's so many of them, thousands of them. Um, all these cities would be taken out. I mean, I hope you're right that it isn't nuclear winter, but it would. All, every major metropolitan area in the U.S., Russia, and Europe would be gone within minutes because they're all targets. 
Mm-hmm. And like, well, maybe, maybe some people in Australia would survive or something. I was like, that's even worse. <laughs> that's even worse than. <laughs> Can you imagine Perth dominates the world? Or <laughs> as you were saying in Canada, I mean, no offense, but your government is the is embarrassing. <laughs> Trudeau. What the fuck? Yeah, but the people who would survive from a bombing of the major Canadian cities might be more based on average than uh, a lot of people on this planet. You know, what's sad uh, is they wouldn't learn from it at all. They would work their way up and do it again. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, well, that's that the might be the answer. Was it the, the Fermi paradox? Yeah. Is that the what it's what? called? The Fermi oh, the paradox? Fermi. What, or what's his name? Fermi Always, paradox. Fermi. Yeah, where why we don't see aliens like they either yeah. they reach a point of tech where they end up wiping themselves out or they go internally like ready player one scenario. It's easier to create a virtual fantasy world inside. And so you don't need to leave your planet or yeah, they, you know, there have been near species wise extinctions on Earth several times, uh, natural ones, meteor or whatever. Right. But uh, the last one could be the one we make. It's it's nukes or the next weapon we make, a super virus, whatever it could get out, you know. Um, so life probably would still arise out of the sea again. I mean, it'd be hard to wipe out all life everywhere, but yeah, uh, if impossible. anyone could do it, it's us. <laughs> yeah, it's close to impossible. There's always a cockroach. There's always a bacteria that lived in some cave that you forgot and. Uh, we have survived four billion years. That is uh, not, uh, it's not random. That it's because DNA has what it takes to, to go through challenges. Yeah, Earth seems says, to be a, um, a life-producing entity. Like Native Americans say Mother Earth, Father, Son. That doesn't mean like God and Goddess. They mean literally the Earth, like the material. They think of it as like a giant cell. It doesn't have intent. It just makes stuff. As mm-hmm. part of its properties, right? A trend um, toward life in nature. Yeah, and we we are a life bearing area of the universe. Um, that's I mean we can talk about that too, but like it's way off topic. But um, it is interesting. And and recently there was a recent new study on yeast showing that when you remove oxygen from the environment, that it actually becomes multicellular way faster than we ever knew. It was like two hundred generations, and they already had specialization multicell. Um, Organism out of out of a singular cell, karyotes. Okay, cells. I haven't seen this study. I'm very interested. It's, it's in from this like uh, it's from about eight days ago. They, okay. uh, I'll send it to you because I was like, oh, because yeah, we always saw in the beginning, um, single cell organisms took what, like two billion years or something, and I was like, actually, with, before we had this atmosphere that we have. It would have gone way faster than you think. They were able to to create these things to the size where you could see it with the naked eye within 600 days. Mm-hmm. That's how fast. Very it interesting. Mm-hmm. Dino Logovic says we don't see aliens because we fling poo and nukes at each other. I don't think so. <laughs> I think we don't see alien because there's just too much distance between life forms, and the physics of travel are just too harsh. We might also just be uninteresting. Like, when's the last time you're walking down the sidewalk and you saw an ant? And you're like, whoa, and stopped and turned around and got on the ground and started watching the ants. Like, 
maybe we're just dumb monkeys and they're like maybe we're hell maybe this is like most places things are immortal except here we're in this weird thing where we're temporarily here we're tortured we suffer we have all these ailments it's kind of like the the universe's trash heap where they uh all the, all the aliens Australia. yeah they put all this this is what i was getting to they put all the <laughs> crap there <laughs> in the central hub <laughs> i was gonna say australia or scotland or something <laughs> You saw where I was going. You know my method now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that, that is Australia. People took the prisoners and stuff and like dump them all on this island. Like Australia became the toilet yeah. for Western Civ. Like put all the people, all the thieves, all the dead prisoners and stuff. Put them all Every in Australia. Every time I think about Australia, I am shocked that it's not a murder place. Like a place that would have 10 times the murder rate of South Africa. How does that happen? How does it happen that Australia isn't a super high murder rate place with all this genetic selection? I guess that the the trials of the days were pretty bad. They might have well, sent like people ants. who weren't guilty. A lot of them weren't sent there for murder. A lot of um, a lot of what happened was debtor prison. So, in England especially, they figured out that they can make more money by putting sheep on their territory and selling wool than they could charging tenants rent. And so they just kept upping the rent to impossible levels and to drive them off the land, to send them to the Americas or Australia, whatever. And they're like, if you couldn't pay, then you could choose between debtors prison or Australia, but it wasn't because you were a criminal It's because the landlords just kept jacking up the rate to drive you off the land so they could replace ah. you with sheep. And so a lot of them weren't actually criminals. But I don't like explaining that story. I like saying, yeah, y'all are a bunch of fucking murderers and thieves. Man. Like, <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> All right. Well, we're headed toward the end. I wanted to ask you uh, a few last words on Ted K. What, what you found, find the most amazing? What keeps uh, striking you about what you've read from Ted K and what uh, the way you've interacted with him? I think recently um like as an adult what has interested me the most is when i i was asking about his life in montana because everybody asked about manifesto including myself and but i was sick you know how was that just weren't you bored because you you didn't start that way like because i grew up on an island that often didn't have electricity and everything but like once i uh experienced like city life and phones and all that it's hard to go back Right. When you don't know, it doesn't matter. We, I'd be perfectly fine going surfing, playing basketball, doing stuff outside. I wasn't bored at all. But he's experienced both jail and isolation in a cabin. And I'm wondering, that would drive most people nuts. He goes, no, it takes, it takes about 80 days to get it all out of your system. And that boredom is a result of these nagging... Uh, feelings that we oppress and we're able to constantly distract ourselves, you know, like this or gaming phones, whatever. So we don't have to think about it. And reason you start getting agitated when you don't have all your dis consumers distractions and stuff. And he talks about this in the like 147 paragraph. He starts getting into other things besides drugs that this entertainment is like a drug. It keeps your mind preoccupied with stuff so that, and it's so like, 
it's such an assault on your dopamine. Like the reason you can sit at school for so long or be in your nine to five job as a working stiff in the cog is because after that, you get to completely unwind and watch your sitcom or your Netflix or your gaming and your beer and your da da. And like that intoxication satisfies you just enough to not revolt. Right. It's, mm. it's, it like keeps you sedentary and keeps you able to do the work you fucking can't stand. The, the life you hate because you get to escape back into this virtual world of Hollywood and this and that and all is that when, but, but when you get rid of all the entertainment and it, it's not instantaneous, it takes about 80 days. Like you said, for some people it's like nine days, you know, some people adapt real fast, but the boredom goes away that you can be perfectly content just sitting on a log, watching the what's around you, listening to the birds and it doesn't, bother you you don't you don't have any responsibility you don't have a job you have to go to you don't have a, a thing you need to do and it's different than vacation because vacation you know in your head this ends in x number of days and i gotta go back to that but it's amazing that people work all year long so they can take a week or so to go to the beach and do nothing right what you want to do is nothing that's all all you've all you wanted to do is lay <laughs> down and get tan and eat your fish and whatever, you know, like, and, and you're like, well, you can, you don't have to be wealthy to do that. <laughs> like you can go do that anyway, but see, you need your physical necessities and you can't just go hunt fish or farm because the industrial society has wiped the animals out. It's overfished. It's over that you, it's not there anymore. You have to go to the supermarket. All of our agriculture and big ag is crunched in a little area and stuff. So you're not going to find anything. You can't live off the land anymore unless you're in some isolated place like Montana or Northern Canada or something like that. It's not going to work, yeah. but he's like, but that life was so fulfilling. And it's like, and you know that, cause that's exactly what people pay to go do that. They pay to take a break and go live like that for just a little while. And then they go right back to the nine to five. And he says, even in jail, he really hates noise, right? He hates the noisiness of prison. Like he got moved several times because of it. That fucked him up. He's uh, maybe on the spectrum there. He can't stand the, the noisiest. I mm -hmm. sympathize. I hate motorcycles. I hate loud people. <clears throat> and that's not anti-Chinese to say. Um, but like, because they have no volume control. Everybody knows this. Everybody, everybody hates Chinese tourists the most. Especially the ones around China, because we have to deal with them more, right? They just yell talk like Dora the Explorer everywhere they go. That's how you tell the difference between Asians. <clears throat> but yeah, his talks about boredom and what it is and how um how you adjust to the slower paced natural life, a lot of your stress really does dissipate. And like if you didn't have this high tech like entertainment and all that, like if you'd never seen that, you wouldn't miss it. Right. It's like, it's kind of the problem of his own creation that you get this high level of entertainment. And they're like, Ooh, I want that back again. Cause it kind of, it's a biohack. Like it floods you with dopamine and all that. But it's not real. Like those people aren't there. They don't know you. It's, it's not whatever you're watching, whatever you're gaming, whatever you're doing. It's like, uh, it's tricking you, but it's not authentic like your interactions in the real world would be. But a lot of people don't have that option when they're looking at porn or whatever. So they don't have, um, that's as close as they can get the real thing. So it's better than nothing, I guess. But uh, 
Aquanaut yeah. says the most important thing that Ted K said was his definition of entertainment's function being a mechanism by which society can exert more pressure on individuals proportional to the level at which entertainment is available. I agree. You and why, I, Ryan, uh, why is your chat both... full of anti-Semites? <laughs> I don't. What know, are you talking about? Gotta... The liquor industry, the porn industry. Like, are you saying these forms of entertainment have some kind of common ownership and plan? I like... don't know. I've been expressing my views freely for eight <laughs> years, and they just gathered around me. I, I don't know how that <laughs> happens. Uh, you and I, well, Ryan, this are is producers. entertainment. I mean, we're having a real discussion, but for someone else, it could just be entertaining. I, I think Ted accomplished quite a bit, like not only in immortalizing his work and everything and getting this kind of conversation started by so many people, but, you know, he was a, a brilliant mathematician on top of that. And it showed, I mean, he is a victim of NK Ultra. We didn't talk about that today so much, but yeah, I think the reason he chose violence as his vehicle to get out his manifesto is because he psychologically needed that to happen. Nine of his targets were universities um, and University of Michigan, like where he went when he, he attacks the places in Salt Lake City, Chicago, Michigan, California, where he was pushed to work and they used him. He's like a child prodigy and no one asked him what you want to do. No one cared about his autonomy. They're like, we got this genius math kid. Let's see what he can do for us. Let's put him in college at 16. Let's put him in these intensive courses on harmonic geometry and da, 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 da. And to be honest, I don't understand some of Ted's math. I'm not ashamed of that. But um, I have a, my dad's cousin is a, also a mathematician. She writes textbooks for colleges and stuff on math and does understand Uncle Ted. And it's like the, the guy was a uh, one of a kind the way he would, he wrote a handwritten hundred page proof on um, something about the collective series and spears or something. And I'm just like, I don't even, I tried to read through some of that and I'm not bad at math, but I was like, fuck this. It's just sad because you could develop such a skill and computers can do a lot of this anyway. But for at least for the Euclidean stuff, that you know, shit we're going to use for statistics and, and economics. Yeah, I'm a big fan of math. I might be able to understand some. I've surveyed it from very far, very superficially. I, I would like to go deeper and, and see what he was saying in terms of math. Uh, I've just and- forgotten so much math since leaving college because I didn't use it. You know most of it mm-hmm. and so i can't so i'm like he lost me right there i don't know how he got to that set right there but he did i don't know but he uh, definitely so, knew his shit so <laughs> someone sent a super chat mentioning you have a give send go uh 911 empire mm-hmm. upgrade what is it about the empire and mass is this five hour film i made going over the deceptions and lies that behind September 11th terrorist attack and the war in Iraq that they associated it to erroneously. And it's not a kook thing. I've been doing a series on fresh and fit, uh, which is a popular YouTube slash rumble channel going over the events of nine 11. And 
I, because I've been censored off everything so many times, the film ended up being like a copy of a copy of a copy because it kicked off Vimeo, kicked off YouTube, kicked off this, kicked off that, Live League, Daily Motion. I've been banned on everything. And so some of the text and slides and stuff in it are almost unreadable besides the title. And I made the whole thing on Windows Movie Maker. And I didn't, at that time, I was very good at researching. I don't know how to make movies, but I was so pissed off at Loose Change and all these stupid movies that I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh-huh. And a lot of people just accepted it. Like five minutes in, you kind of get used to the quality and you're just listening to the content, like almost all my videos. But um, over time, yeah, I just hire people to do that stuff. Like you do the visuals. I'll just do the narration and research. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, man, this is such a good film content wise. And it would be way better if we could get it to like new mech level quality. The, the latest film I made on new mech is great, but uh, it's a big project. It's five hours. I'd have to go back and find all those documents and clips and stuff again in their original form, redo all the audio and then add visual for, uh, you know, you've made, you know how long it takes to even do like six seconds of work, right? That could be two hours of your yeah. day, right? This is five hours. This is going to be a fucking project. And that's why I'm like, I have to fundraise because you can't sell films anymore. Some asshole will pirate it on the first day and they're like, but we need this information, bro. And I'm like, okay, well, you're never going to get another movie again, bro. Because I hate that fucking word too. Bro is the new, is the 2023 version of what 2021 was the word literally. Everyone was saying literally like Valley Girls that say the word like every sentence or, you know, you know, you know, you know, shut up. Occasionally it's okay. I don't say never say these words, but, and there's a time to use the word literally properly or the word like properly, but not as a filler word. And this stuff like bro, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you're not my friend. You don't call me bro. Fuck off. It it makes me mad because I see that it's not even their own words. You just, saw this in Hollywood entertainment so many times that you start emulating and speaking that way, which bothers me deeply that you're so easily manipulated. Fuck bro. Well, culture. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like I should add to conclude what Aquanote has stated on the regular chat. He said literally this, but unironically, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He should have said like unironically, bro, you know. <laughs> Every right, year Ryan. there's something like that. The word grift, right? That was a hardly barely used word for a while. Or the word shill, right? Oh, it was a shill. That wasn't those weren't commonly used words. And then they're all over the place. Grassy knoll is one of those terms. And that's something I think the psych war department put out on purpose because nobody says knoll. That's an old word no one says. And nobody you know, usually one thing says that grassy. annoys me is the word right. People say right interrogatively. They seek uh, confirmation and you just used it. So I, I, I mean, you, you used it in an okay manner, but those people who use it constantly and they seek for approval, it's like you should know the fact that you're talking about before you state your sentence. The other one, and a lot of British people do it, <clears throat> They kind of speak like a bastardized form of English, right? Rat. I'm sorry, I did that on purpose. Rat. They say yeah. Like Canadians yeah. say A. Oh. They'll be talking and saying, So put a thing in there what like a yeah. bottle of your mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you asking a question or are you just saying this to see if I'm still listening? 
And yeah. in Japan, they say nay. It's kind of like a. It's da 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 nay or jina. And I'm just, I don't like it. It's a well, filler word. Ryan, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I hope that people support you on Give, Send, Go because indeed, uh, the the film industry is completely uh, is in shambles. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they ever make money. Uh, but there is still a place for these independent productions and crowdfunding because the people who want to see a project be realized, they're willing to pay for it. And that's how we can still make things happen. Uh, you can also a send pleasure. a prayer if you're religious, which I'm not. But if you are, Gibson Go is a Christian organization, which, is like, which I think is cool because I'm banned on Patreon, banned on Kickstarter, banned on GoFundMe, banned on, on all the other ones and so i'm happy i i like supporting the free market like if you're if you're cool i'm going to use gives and go and i give a portion of it to them right but in the prayer section what's great about it is you get to write down what your prayer is so whether you give a dollar a hundred dollars whatever please in the part where you get to write down your prayer put something like fuck lincoln Well, because it's is... hilarious that all the whole thing is a diatribe about how horrible Abe Lincoln is. A couple people started it and everyone else started piling on. Fuck Lincoln with a cactus. Fuck Lincoln with a cactus <laughs> and an anchor. Fuck Lincoln oh, with a okay. cactus and an anchor and a hammer. It's a pretty fun game. So we, we're kind of game. It's worth it. Just send a dollar at least so, so I can see your joke. <laughs> okay yeah i see people are saying lincoln you are the best historian awesome keep spinning the truth uh yeah lots of references to lincoln lincoln yeah, fuck lincoln the antichrist the antichrist that's abe lincoln i so, use that poetically uh, i don't think there so is this an is antichrist the founder but if there was one of, uh, the u.s constitution Is no, Abe, Abe is? Lincoln started the Civil War. He wore a top hat to hide his horns. He is ah. the destruction of, like, if you want to blame the destruction of the free press and freedom of speech, it was Lincoln. Before, during the war, he shut down 300 newspapers. And that was it, because there was no TV or radio. So if you close down the newspapers, the only ones that survive are the ones kissing the government's ass. And so the, the marriage between corporation and state all starts with Lincoln. And they gained monopolies because there was such a head start for all these papers after Lincoln forcibly shut all the other ones down that in the aftermath of the Civil War, all you had was state propaganda. There were no independent free press anymore. He killed wow. it. He killed freedom of speech. So America started with a cartel around media censorship. Are you shitting well, me? He's the 16th president. So it's like you had you know 15 other guys and they had free speech and free press lincoln destroyed it all lincoln started the income tax that was not 1913 in the federal reserve with the aldrich bill it started with abe lincoln he started the income tax and he's on a statue and he's like he freed the slaves like no he didn't he was dead for eight months before the 13th amendment passed freeing slaves so much false history Ryan. So much. thank you so much we have to stop the show now Thank you so much for coming. Much love to everyone who was watching and we'll speak again soon. Thank you.